Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending your time with us. Welcome to a new episode of Crave Arts Presents The Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best student filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of Crave Arts and the All-American High School Film Festival, the premier destinations for emerging student filmmakers all over the world. Today, I am joined by festival alumni from 2017 to 2019, Grace Gallagher, to dig deep into what drives this emerging filmmaker. We were introduced to Grace back in 2017. Her film, The Missing Piece, illuminated her ability to expose intimate, personal themes of the teen experience with a soft and subtle approach. In 2019, her talents had matured, earning her several category nominations and the award for Female Rising Star. Her films, Close From Afar and Jonah and Julie, are focused on strong female leads, dynamic characters who exhibit a delicate but profound growth as they navigate the complexities of family relationships. Her approach to directing is refreshing and instantly appealing, illustrated through a less is more, show don't tell mosaic of emotions and insight for letting the images breathe for the audiences to absorb. Her films are further enhanced by her gifts as a writer and cinematographer, providing a welcome and beautiful backdrop for stories rooted in realism, but full of the light of lives worth sharing. I am thrilled to be speaking with alumni Grace Gallagher today. Hey, Grace, how are you? Good. Thank you so much. That was really kind introduction. Well, well deserved for sure. (laughs) Uh, The words come easy when speaking about such talented emerging filmmakers. And I'm so excited to dig deep into to what drives you and your experiences and uh, any insights that you can provide for our network of young filmmakers and educators around the world. So let's just kick things off with where you are right now and what you're working on. I am currently quarantined in Los Angeles. Um, I was taken out of my school in New York. I go to Sarah Lawrence College. Um, and I, yeah, I'm working on a few music videos that are in editing right now. I wrote a first draft of my first feature and I have two shorts in the works as well. So, uh, obviously on an unexpected hiatus from from school, uh, but still trying to be as productive as possible. Uh, it's, it's been a thread in the conversations that I've been having over the last few weeks, uh, we're all sort of facing this artistic, not artistic void, uh, I guess relationship void. The artistic uh, side of things is, is hopefully still flourishing as much as possible. So you are going to school at Sarah Lawrence. Um, why don't we start there? Um, why mm-hmm. Sarah Lawrence? Um, why college? Are you studying film? Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, as you know, I went to LOXA, which is Los Angeles County High School for the Arts. And um, I just, I I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly for college. The big question is always, you know, are you going to go to film school? What are you going to do? Are you going to go to work? Um, And I honestly didn't know. And I applied to all different kinds of schools when I was a senior. Um, But just the proximity to New York City, the ability to learn film and also explore all kinds of topics um, at Sarah Lawrence because they don't have majors there. Um, So I'm able to sort of 
do film classes and also take literature and take philosophy and take psychology, anything sort of to, um, know illuminate my writing or expose me to more diverse topics not just movies and I found that was the path I wanted to take because I had had a very um I had had the uh, opportunity and blessing of LOXA which is a very um good school to go to if you want to make movies and you learn a lot very early and so I didn't know if I wanted to do another film school so I think Sarah Lawrence was the option the best option for me and, and what is uh, what is it like uh, for folks who might be listening and, and thinking, you know, I, I want to go across the country. I want to go to a completely new environment um, for that college experience. What has it been like for you to move from L.A. to New York? Obviously, you're back in L.A. right now. But yeah. what was that transition like? Was it uh, is it exciting, exhilarating to, to go to a whole new environment? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was definitely exciting. I think the fact that Sarah Lawrence is right outside of New York uh, really gave me the ability to sort of settle in and be in a sort of suburban small town. And But then in 30 minutes, I'm right in the heart of Manhattan. And it's that's been the best part of it. Um, it's super exciting. And thankfully, I have a lot of friends who go to NYU and Columbia and Parsons and all the surrounding schools um, on the island. So it's been nice sort of safety net to go and see people who I, you know, know from high school or know from other things. Um, I feel like it's not like a completely fresh start. You know, I have familiar faces around. It's really nice. That's great. And I'm so happy that, you know, you have a little bit of the comforts of home, but also a completely new experience in its own way. Um, yeah. Just again, for folks who are listening and, and kind of really curious about the college experience, what kinds of courses are you taking as a freshman at Sarah Lawrence? Uh, the thing I love about Sarah Lawrence is that they really are open in their curriculum. There aren't really many restrictions. If Even if it's an advanced class, you're a freshman. If you talk to the teacher, you, um, I'm on an interview, dad. You can't <laughs> come in. I'm on an interview. I'm recording for a podcast. Hi, dad. <laughs> There's bees outside my window getting fumigated. Um, oh, those poor bees, but good for <laughs> you're safe. <laughs> Everything's getting fumigated, um, even the bees. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry about that. Um, where was I? Uh, telling me about the, the courses that you're taking as a freshman. Right, right. So I was able to take a um, more advanced screenwriting class last semester because I knew that I wanted to sort of um, take a break from production for a minute and sort of uh, read a lot and write a lot, especially in my first semester. Um, and yeah, I wrote a feature film last semester. And that was really exciting for me because I knew that I wanted to do that as part of my goal for this year. But um, I was really lucky to be doing it in a classroom setting where there were sort of deadlines and things to push me to write. Um, and then I'm also, I took childhood developmental psychology and European literature last semester. Um, and this semester I have the same European literature class. Um, now I'm taking an art history, modern contemporary art lecture, and um, my film class is pitching and development. So I'm learning more about presenting and packaging my work and more of the business side of filmmaking. It's been really good. Wow, that's really cool. So uh, is it safe to say that all of these courses that you're taking are sort of focused on developing your craft as a writer and storyteller? Is, th is that something that you still, you know, vehemently want to pursue? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I see myself doing film and only film. And I knew that 
I didn't really have to go to a film school for that personally. Um, but uh, going to a school that has a really strong film department, film classes, uh, but also a lot of freedom and wiggle room has been really, really nice for me personally. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I'm, I'm envious. Uh, I've always... <laughs> Loved being a student and uh, wish that I could be back there in the classroom with you. Um, so yeah. let's take a step back then and and talk about um, sort of how you got to this point. Um, how did you develop um, early on in high school? Um, actually, let's take it even even back further. When did you first start making movies and why? I first started making films um, in high school, actually. I got into locks with the script because when I was in eighth grade, I thought that um, my writing abilities uh, far surpassed anything that I could do technically and camera-wise. Uh, I didn't really know much about that yet. Um, but I did know that I could write a story and that um, I liked acting a lot in middle school. Um, but you know, the more I acted, I realized I don't like acting as much as I like just being a part of, you know, creation and filmmaking. Um, and I came to realize it was the writing and the directing that I wanted to do. And in high school, um, I made my first movie called Cameo and it was really bad, but uh, that was sort of what allowed me to start from there. And it's just the locks of projects. Um, I started assistant cameraing for the upperclassmen Pretty much every single weekend my freshman year of high school, I learned how to use all the cameras. Um, and that's what allowed me to be where I am today. That's, that's pretty amazing. So the, the LOXA program, um, and maybe this is more for the educators who might be listening, but you have to apply to that program. Yes, it's a public arts high school with an application process, yeah. Well, congratulations for, for making the cut. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> clearly the, the exposure to uh, the experiences there has really helped you develop um, tell me a little bit about your process. It's, it sounds like you, you're, I'm gathering that you're a writer first, um, based on what you're saying, but that all of these other pieces have become equal passions over time. What, what is that process like for you as a writer? How does a story emerge in your mind and then go to a page or, or a computer screen and then ultimately, you know, exist on a screen for an audience? Right. Um, I think, I am a writer first, but the more I've grown and become more confident, I feel like I'm a director first. Um, but, you know, just starting off, I was definitely more comfortable in the writing and I'm writing it as my first love and first passion. Um, starting off a script is really hard for me. Usually I get a sort of vivid image or an idea or a line of dialogue and I write it down and I sort of let that breathe and I just think about it. Um, and then I get stuck. I get stuck for a while and that's normal. But um, how I get out of it is usually I just have to sit down. Um, I make a playlist often uh, around the concept, around the image. And um, I just repeat that playlist until something kind of clicks. <laughs> and then I start writing. Um, I try to plot out the story before I write, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, sometimes it's easier to just start. But yeah, really cool. Um, so uh, the the two films that you submitted in in 2019 really stood out. Um, I mentioned the maturation of your work, 
your talents kind of, you know, obviously maturing over time and, and resulting in these two really, really emotional stories about families and about uh, siblings within the families, which I, I found, you know, something that I could really easily connect to. One of the things that I, I really liked about um, uh, about the film Jonah and Julie um, was how although it's about the two siblings and, and close from afar too, actually it's about the siblings, but it also reveals a lot about the parents. Um, it doesn't say it, but it shows it. Um, is that important to you to explore these family relationships in your work? Definitely. I think, um, when I was writing Jonah and Julie, I was taking a lot from my own life. And I think, um, just writing what I needed to personally, um, put out there and for myself and for, you know, therapeutically um and artistically i just knew that i needed to make this movie um and close from afar was a little bit different because uh, i don't know if you know about the 64 hour film festival that loxa does I but, don't, um, no. <laughs> it's a crazy weekend where we get a prompt on friday and the film is due on monday um so we have to write it friday night shoot it saturday edit sunday and it has uh, absurd requirements and everything and everyone sets out on teams and makes the film and that's what the close from afar was um came out of that so it was made in a weekend under the umbrella genre <laughs> of david mamet preschool admission drama wow i'm very familiar with yeah. david mamet but that is quite yeah. the combination <laughs> so uh yeah we always have crazy sort of um very hyper specific things that you have to abide by so that was uh my team's David Mamet preschool admission drama. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, try, I tried to have my personal director touch sort of um, in that crazy requirement. But So, so what is that um, personal director's touch? Uh, how would you describe your, your style as a director? Uh, obviously it's still evolving. Um, and I think right. that's never going to change. Uh, it probably shouldn't. Um, but what is that, what was that style in those films? And is it still that style today? Yeah. Um, honestly, you said it really beautifully in your intro. I was really, uh, touched that you sort of got it to me. Uh, it was, it's the show don't tell, um, sort of let the moment speak for themselves is sort of how I like to approach it. Um, I, I like to tell the actors, the situation, um, and really just talk to them as the character and uh, talk a lot about what's sort of going on out, uh, outside of the page and outside of the screen. Um, and hopefully all of those sort of details that we talk about outside of it will leak through and um, speak for itself in the nuances. It, it does. Um, and so again, it was, it's easy to write an introduction like that because that's what I see when I watch your work. Um, and I, show don't tell is, is one way of saying it. Uh, another way of saying it that, that I like to use when, um, teaching is letting it breathe, right? Letting scenes breathe, letting moments breathe. And it, it's one of those things where when, when a submission comes through and we open it up for the initial judging process, um, you know, it's either sort of going to make the cut or it isn't the films that let it breathe, let these emotional moments connect with the viewer on their own terms based on what they're seeing, rather than it being forced down their throats with dialogue. And, and it's not to say that dialogue isn't important. It's, it's very important, mm -hmm. but we want to immerse ourselves in these stories. And the best way to do that is to let these moments breathe on screen. And so it immediately elevates the work 
when that happens. And so your ability to connect with that at such a young age is, is really remarkable. And it, it's taking, you know, the stories that you're telling to another level and really allowing the audience to enjoy them on another level. Um, Thank you, you. You're quite welcome. <laughs> Again, well-deserved. You mentioned this, this <clears throat> contest, this uh, film festival. Um, and I'm curious to hear about your, your preparation for these things. You're talking about, you know, speaking with the actors, you know, speaking to them as the characters and things like that. What is the, the pre-production process like for you? What does that involve? And, and, you know, what's, how do you work with your teams as a director? I mean, you're a leader in that role. It's important. Right. Um, in the 64 or in, in general, general, in general, um, I try to give myself as much time as I can in pre-production. Hopefully I've written the script early enough for the deadline or whatever. Um, and I like to prop shop myself and costume shop myself and really immerse myself into um, the world of my characters and have everything very organized. But I think the most important thing before I get to set is uh, rehearsal. I, off, I need a table read with my actors before at least, you know, the two main actors are something. Uh, I think that's essential uh, to understanding and saving time on set. Um, I think that if you just have an hour or two, uh, at the least to sit down and sort of talk about the world that you're trying to create and everything, like I said, that's going on off of the page, um, when they get there, the actors will feel a lot more comfortable and a lot, uh, more free to just sort of explore and be themselves because we've already done it probably eight times before the camera's even rolling. So, um, it's that's what I like to do the most. I think that's the most important part about any pre-production. Yeah, it's a, it, table reads are, are extremely important. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, it's another thing like letting it breathe when a submission comes through and we open it up. It's like you can almost tell right away how prepared the actors are for what they're doing. And you mm -hmm. can see the table reads informing the performances if you kind of know how to look for it. So everyone listening, do the table reads, do that kind of preparation. It, 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 the, the actors need a chance to find the character and the director needs a chance to hear the words, right? And, and I imagine, yeah. do you make a lot of changes based on those reads or at least some changes? Yeah, I think it's really important also to hear what the actor has to say about your words and make sure everything sort of feels comfortable in their mouths. Um, if it's not something that they think the character would say or that they think that they would say as, you know, as a character, um, I cut it. I cut it. If they don't think it's necessary, I cut it. I'm not super attached. You know, killing your darlings is an idea I'm familiar with. Um, if it's not essential, we cut it. And um I think that's sort of where the breathing comes out of it's, you know, we don't need this dialogue. We can do this in a look, you know, because I may have written that dialogue, but either uh, through conversation or even in the edit, we might've filmed it. I cut it out because, you know, it's not essential. You can, you can see it. Extremely uh, powerful insights from you. Um, tell me a little bit about when you're working with a team. Um, you went to a school where you're fortunate enough to to have like crews that you're working with. Um, what's your process like as a director working with a team? Are you hands on, hands off, somewhere in between? Um, I'm very hands on. I think um, as I sort of grew, and by the time I was a senior making my senior thesis film, um, I became more like. Uh, more 
I allowed myself to be more hands-off because I trusted my team more. I think that was, that's the most important part is having everybody on the same page and, um, you know, equally as dedicated to the project as you. And it's hard to do that when you're students because there's a million other things going on. Um, so it, I found it a lot easier, especially in the, um, when I was younger to be a lot more hands-on, but knowing each teammate to sort of breathe on their own and like come up with their own ideas and me not telling everybody what to do, uh, can only bring, you know, more substance to the project because someone else might think of something I never thought of. Um, so I really, uh, I like to hear things from my crew. I always make sure they're fed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think uh, food and water on set is very important. Uh, do you have a go-to? Yeah, think, do you have a go-to food item that like yeah, everyone knows? Like, oh, we're getting like the chocolate chip cookies this for this film or something like that. Um, I often have a Chicago-style deep dish pizza okay. on my set because it's a. I think it's a nice. We have this really good place, Hollywood Pies, nearby my house, and um, it's a nice alternative to like a Domino's pizza on set, but it's still pizza and it's really delicious. Hey the crowd pleaser um <laughs> and also the trader joe's cheese buffs and veggie veggie strips we love the veggie chips there well listen now that you're in new york well whenever you're back in new york like i'm sold uh if you need a grip yeah. or something you know i'll do the grunt work just for a slice of deep dish pizza right <laughs> that's what i'm hoping that's awesome. Um, I, I like to get those kind of little insights. Um, so before i move on from this uh i jonah and julie i'm assuming was your senior thesis film it was my junior film, actually. Oh. Um, I have a, yeah, a, my newest short is my sort of longest and biggest um, project. It's called Shotgun. It's on my Vimeo. Um, but yeah. That was Did it. you finish that before you graduated high school or like during the summer? Yes, I finished it um, in about April of my senior year, so April 2019. Um, and it premiered up. We had a little senior thesis show at USC which was really nice. Um, so yeah. Just a little, then I, little show at USC. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> no, it was really exciting. And um, it's, it was, it was a good celebration of everything sort of me and my class had gone through together and to show everybody's last works sort of. Well, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, but you are completely eligible to submit that film then if you would like to All-American this year. Uh, <laughs> yes, and submissions course. are, the, the free submission deadline because of everything that's been going on has been extended to May 15th. So I certainly hope that we will get to see that work because uh, you did make it as a high schooler. Um, and I think it's important that we do receive, you know, the best films from around the world for our competition to, to really show where that bar is set. Um, but I, I, I still want to ask then about Jonah and Julie. Can you remember a few of the songs from the playlist that helped inspired your, inspire your writing for that? Oh, uh, yeah, I can pull it up right now. <laughs> I, would, I would love to share that with our listeners. Yeah, just give me one second. No problem. Okay. Um, I listened to a lot of Paul Simon while writing this. Um, I love him. I uh, absolutely think he is one of, if not the greatest American singer-songwriter ever. I agreed, agreed. I, I'm very he's, sad he's to know that, that he's taking a break. I, I have a feeling he'll be back, but... I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> oh my he, he said he's like out of ideas or whatever, <clears throat> not finding the inspiration. Oh. He doesn't have any more songs left in him, but, well, I'm very grateful for what he did give yeah, us. Yeah, what he's given us is 
yeah what he's given us is good oh my god um i listened to whitney the band whitney tennis um some borns some hippocampus a lot of sort of like soft um lyrical music um that kind of matched the environment of the film i think like liability by lord uh was a big one at the time pretty sad song um but yeah come to me oh come to me by marlon williams uh was the song that I pictured um, in the wide shot at the beach in the opening and at the end. Um, that song was just uh, really, when I was writing those scenes, that was the song I was listening to. Is this almost like a like a synesthesia process for you where you, you hear the song and you, you almost see the setting for these characters to inhabit? In a way, yeah, I'd say that. Um, I also have a really visual mind and I, I've, also musical mind. I grew up with music in my house. My dad's a singer, songwriter, music guy, my brother's musician. Um, and I very, I'm really, I connect with that. And as I close my eyes, I, I usually picture visuals with the song. So sometimes when I'm uninspired, when I'm writing uh, a visual from a song will make me write a script. So. I, it, I, for those who haven't yet clicked in the description that we'll include with the podcast and, and checked out uh, Grace's work, it really comes through. And, and I think that's a, a valuable tool for others to consider exploring, you know, listening to a song that inspires you and, and conjuring up those images that it, it brings in the mind as a way to sort of generate story ideas or settings for the characters to inhabit and those kinds of things. Um, I, can, I can visualize your process based on hearing those songs and, and many of which I'm familiar with and understanding not only, uh, you know, lyrically what they might reveal, but more importantly, the mood and, and style of the song. Um, it makes a lot of sense and it's, it's really cool to, to dig deep and, and have that revealed. Um, Thank you. Let, let me just go a little bit broader. Why do you do this? Why do you tell stories on the screen? Um, because I love it. I love it. Um, I love film. It's, the only thing I really have wanted to do, I, you know, I, like I said, I started with acting, but before, um, before film, that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. And, um, I grew to just love the camera and the visual aspect and the emotional aspect, um, and getting behind the root of all of that, um, rather than portraying it, um, I'd like to craft it myself. Um, and yeah, that's all ultimately why I do it is just because I like, I have to, I think of these things and I, I, I want to make them, I want to put them out. Um, and I don't want to do anything else as much as I want to do that. Mm. So I think that's what I got to do. Right. <laughs> well said. I, I mean, it sounds like you don't have any other choice. Um, did, did your early experiences as an actor, did they help contribute to what you're able to do as a filmmaker now? I think definitely, I think uh, having the insight as having that acting experience really allows me to communicate well with actors because I know sort of um, to a degree what their sort of process could be or uh, depending on who I'm working with, obviously, but I understand um, getting bad direction and I understand not understanding what the director's trying to tell you. So I try to be really clear um, and talk to them from an emotional standpoint rather than like a result-based standpoint i'm not just you know like you're sad like why are you sad let's talk about um let's talk about everything that goes into the emotion um 
you know, build the world for you. Um, so it's easier to jump in rather than just, oh, like playing an emotion, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell me a little bit about your influences. Uh, what filmmakers do you admire uh, or some of your favorite films uh, and why? Yeah, um, I think Mike Mills uh, is a great filmmaker. I love his work, uh, like 20th Century Women and the Begin- uh, Beginners with Ian McGregor. It's a film that, uh, one of the first movies I saw that I was like, that's how I want to do it. Like that sort of um, slice of life in a way, but also um, very character driven and plot. it still has a plot, not just um, watching people do things. Um, but I really love that. And obviously, um, you know, Greta Gerwig is my girl, <laughs> my idol. And uh, The Farewell was probably one of my favorite movies, maybe my favorite movie in the past year. So Lulu Wang definitely has a place in my heart as well um but one of the earlier people like uh a film i watched my sophomore year of high school that changed the way i think i approached my filmmaking style is fish tank by andrea arnold um she's an english director um and that sort of realism uh she captured is what i try to emulate in my work um describe that to me what what is what do you mean when you say because i imagine there's people who are listening who are going to look at your work and say i like this uh let me see you know what what inspired her um what do you mean about that what is that that realism um just not shying away from the you know the grittier things or like the rougher topics um and also you know andrea arnold is a female filmmaker and she has in fish tank a uh, troubled female lead um and you don't often see that you don't just see women dealing with their own problems too much in film it's usually like something happens and then a man helps or it's a romantic thing or anything like that but really um just not shying away from like the gritty things that's what she kind of taught me the most and i think my filmmaking style is more soft than hers um, but I think also, um, in shotgun, my latest film, you see sort of more of a grittier aspect and I'm inspired by her. Definitely. She's really badass. She doesn't, doesn't shy away from anything. Yeah. Well, um, thanks to you and, uh, many other female directors and writers <clears throat> and, you know, various components of filmmaking that come through our festival, it's changing. Um, and what you're describing is changing, I think, faster than people realize. Uh, and I'm very yeah. fortunate that I get to see so many female voices in the work that comes through us. You know, it's a it's a it's a 50-50 split that that comes our way. Yeah. I think it's actually like 48% female, 52% male or something. Um, and so I'm seeing the future um, now and it's really bright and it's thanks to folks <laughs> like you and your deep process, um, you know, these influences, your experiences, this desire to continuously immerse yourself in opportunities to pursue this craft. Um, and, and that's really what's making a difference. You're, you're not just like going out there with a camera and messing around. You're taking this very seriously. Um, and it's interesting that you say you describe your style as, as maybe softer, um, and, and I, in the films that I've seen, I, I would, I've, I use that word in the introduction. I think that's an, in large part, uh, due to the cinematography as well as the themes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, can you tell me a little bit about your, your process, uh, working with a camera? I know you work with others as yeah. well, but. Um, as a cinematographer, I think 
especially in Jonah and Julie, I wanted to just um, have it be really focused on the characters and I wanted the color and the light and their surroundings to sort of um, illuminate them uh, or how they're feeling. Um, so I wanted to be very naturalistic. I like to use natural light and sort of uh, movement shots and handheld shots, not super shaky, um, but you know, like fluid. Um, and yeah, I think just focusing on uh, trying to illuminate what the character is feeling through the lens is what I try to do the most. Is that something that you practice? Is that, I mean, I, I know you must prepare for it before going out, uh, you know, on set, but do you practice those kinds of things? Are, are you the kind of person that's like running around with a camera all day and all night, like looking for light and things like that? How does that work? I take a lot of photos on my phone of um, time uh, because there's timestamps and location stamps on your phone. And I find that really handy. Uh, if there's a time of day where I think the light is especially nice in an area of my house, I just take a picture of that area of my house. Um, if I'm walking around, I find a location I like, I just snap a picture and then, you know, I have the address in my phone forever. Um, I find that really handy. I don't uh, practice my camera moves before. Um, I mean, I rehearse them on set. Um, or if there's a camera operator, we go through it a bunch of times. Um, but, and I mean, I prefer to have a camera operator, honestly, because if I'm doing it myself, it's harder for me to pay attention to the directing aspect as well. Um, but yeah, mostly just sort of taking pictures all the time is my, my method. Yeah. And I, I love that you're now, uh, well, again, not now, but at some point, and were previously in New York, and, and I imagine developing a whole new palette of resources through those photos. Yeah. Um, it makes it's nice for me to hear because, you know, lately I've been spending a lot more time with my two young sons, and I'm like constantly stopping, especially like at dusk or at night, and like staring at a street lamp. And I'm like, guys, do you see that light? And, you know, <laughs> they, they half think I'm crazy and they're half kind of getting it. Um, and so they're, they're pretty used to me doing that. And I, I love the idea of the timestamp being sort of immortalizing the shot so that you can go back to it when you need to really, really smart. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, so, uh, this time of year at five o'clock, the light is going to look like this in this part of town or something like that. And I know that now because, you know, and Los Angeles weather is pretty reliable. So <laughs> yeah, darn nice you thing. people in LA, um, <laughs> It's still, it, even though it's April now, it's still like cold and windy here and we're still transitioning, but that's nice. That consistency is important. Um, and I, I want to get to LA in a second. Um, but first you had obvious success at our festival, um, which is no small feat, right? That means that you're one of the best emerging filmmakers in the world. Um, and in particular, the female rising star award, we take that award very seriously because of what we discussed a few minutes ago, um, because of the lack of representation. And that's why we have the award. And we, we honestly, we do go back and forth. Like, is it right that we even have this award? Like, shouldn't we not need to, but we still feel that right. we do. Um, and to, to get that honor and to sort of be carrying a torch for young women who are as passionate about this as you, is a big deal. Um, and, and I'm so sad that you were never able to attend the festival, you know, who Me knows too. what's going to happen this year, but, but maybe, yeah. maybe you'll get a chance, especially if you're in New York. Um, but regardless, what are, why are festivals important? You know, um, I noticed on, on your website, you know, that you've submitted to quite a few and you've had a lot of success, obviously. Why are they important to you as a filmmaker? 
I think it's super important to just sort of expand your network. Um, as a, you know, unrepresented teenage girl, you know, it, you uh, aren't going to be taken seriously in a lot of places just being like, hey, I, here's my movie. Um, but uh, finding festivals that really do take you seriously and accept your work and um, value it uh, is really special. And then, you know, that's what, at, at least, if, even if there's nobody there, that's at least 10 more people that have seen your movie. Um, and it's all about, you know, just expanding your sort of um, network and connecting to other filmmakers as well is super important. I found a lot of, I've met a lot of really wonderful you know, filmmakers my age at festivals and just giving the, giving each other support, um, FN is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and those networks, you know, you, you build them, you need to continue to build them and you never know how they're going to come back full circle. Um, I know that you probably still talk to or collaborate with folks that you went to high school with, and, and that's only going to continue to grow. Um, and, and it is, it's essential. So, what I was saying before, um, you know, you're very lucky to go to this high school. Uh, you're very lucky to come from a hotbed of, of filmmaking in, in Los Angeles. And now you're in New York. If you're someone listening to this podcast in China, um, in New Mexico, Maine, Kansas, somewhere that isn't a hotbed, um, what advice do you have for them? Do you, do you feel like it's, it is essential to, to be in these uh, sort of major hubs or do you feel like um, maybe there are certain advantages or, or certain things that you wish you could have from these more remote places? I think that uh, there, I mean, there are obvious advantages, but that does not mean you cannot make a product as good equally, you know, um, as technically sound as any film that I make or any film that is out of Los Angeles and New York. Uh, it's all about just getting together and doing it. I think like, just make your movie. Um, and definitely there are advantages. I found that I met uh, one of my good friends, Miles Dixon is a filmmaker. He is from Eugene, Oregon. And uh, I met him at Young Arts and his film just looked so different from my film because of the beautiful Oregon scenery and everything. And his town, you know, he says there's not like, there's not too much in it outside of Portland. It's not one of the major places, but I was just like astounded by the beauty and the locations he had just by walking outside of his house. Um, so I think there's definitely, you know, uh, things that are harder, but I mean, everybody has a camera. I, you know, you have your phone, you have the DSLR you got, you have anything. It's just all about, you know, getting out and making the movie. Yeah. As, as much and as seriously as possible. And I, I, I stress definitely. that because Yes, it, it, it's good to do it at all, but I think the more seriously you take the process, I think, um, you know, really chipping away at different techniques and, and different aspects of the process on each project, developing mm -hmm. that as you go. Um, you know, in my last interview with uh, Dusan Brown, we talked about that and he said, with every project, I like to learn something new. I like to focus on Definitely. something new and sort of just continue to build my skills. And I think it, it really does make a big difference. And, and uh, Miles uh, submitted this year and uh, his work is impressive. And it's, it's just so neat to see how small of a world mm -hmm. our little filmmaking universe yeah. and community is. Um, yeah, me, Miles and Dusan went to Young Arts together this past year in Miami. Oh, that's awesome. So you really had a chance yeah. to, to grow the relationship there. 
definitely. You're you're very lucky. And um, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's great how humble you are about it and um, how obviously uh, you are invested in all of this. It's not like you're just getting these things and you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. No, it's, it's, it's it's part of your growth (laughs) as an artist and and that comes through and it's obvious. So what's next for you? What are your goals? My goals, uh, I want to reopen the feature draft I wrote. I want to have that under my belt, hopefully um, shop it around, pitch it at some point, who knows when, but I just want to have that. Um, I'm in pre-production for a short that I'm going to be shooting in the summertime um, called Margaret. And then I'm also writing another short I want to shoot in New York um, next fall. And I also have a few music videos coming out, but yeah. Oh, just a couple of things. (laughs) <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> um, how do you connect with these music video projects? Is that relationships with the artists or? Yeah, the artists, um, two actually have coming out are ones I made for my brother. He's a musician. He scored my last film, my thesis film, which I thought I think is incredible. And I'm a big fan of his music. So it's very easy to just, you know, collab with someone you love and trust like your family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've had some music videos through friends, and I, like I said, um, unfortunately, have to go. To, went to Loxa, um, where there are so many musicians um, there because it's an art school in general, and there's a lot of resources to pull from. So, just another example are, of. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, people are always wanting to collaborate, um, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, well, I'm glad you added that too, because what I was going to say is, it's just another example of you harnessing every opportunity available and you know, using it as a way to uh, continue to pursue this craft. Um, so I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, we we haven't, we didn't really have a chance to get to know each other before this conversation. So I had no idea um, where it was going to go or what you were going to be all about. Uh, but I had an idea at the same time based on the, <laughs> the beautiful stories that you share on screen. Um, and, and it's just so interesting to see how the, the art matches the individual. Um, I find that fascinating, uh, and refreshing. Um, so uh, if we can just wrap up with, um, you're speaking to your younger self, um, you know, you're someone listening to this, who's in high school, maybe even middle school, and they like you want to do this more than they want to do anything else. What advice do you have for that person? I think collaborate and support uh as much as you can um do not compare yourself i think that that's the sort of thing that tears you down the most is like oh but so-and-so's doing this it doesn't matter what they're doing say like congratulations on your success um let me help you in any way possible and also let me focus on what i can do to be the best artist i can but at the same time go at your own pace you know don't feel the pressure um, you know, you're, you're where you need to be and, uh, you know, go with your gut and try to be honest. Do not make your work force anybody else, um, except yourself. So that's what I would try to tell myself or anyone listening. <laughs> it's great advice. Um, and I very much hope that you return to New York soon and that we can get together and have a coffee and meet face to face, not across the computer screen, but, uh, across the coffee shop table. Um, I very much look forward to that. 
Um, so thank you again for joining us, Grace, um, and for an insightful glimpse into your experiences and motivations as a storyteller. I encourage all of you to check out Grace's work. Links are in the description and remind you that this is just one of many in-depth conversations with the future of film. Go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival, and please subscribe and share across all platforms to support our important community of artists, just like Grace. We will see you next time. Thanks, Grace. Thank you for having me.